Acts chapter 27. And I'm reading verse 18 to verse 25. I won't read everything. I will skip some of the verses there. I'm reading from the NIV Bible. It reads as follows. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and the storm continued raging. We finally gave up all hope of being saved. I think those verses just alone as we read them almost summarize the period we are at right now. As we hear people passing, bodies piling up, the third wave ravaging, Certain provinces at the beginning of it, some nearing the peak, and we've even almost exceeded the highest peak of the third wave in certain provinces. Sounds like that. Sounds like hope goes from people. Sounds like almost there's no way things can turn. And here it says, there was neither sun nor stars. It's almost like it's just all dark around. And it says that happened for many days and the storm continued raging. That sounds like right now. And they say, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. Verse 20, Paul speaking. He says, but now I urge you to keep up your courage because no one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God whom I serve and to whom I belong stood beside me. And he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Can I have an amen from all of you? I want to talk about how to regain your hope and navigate safely to shore after being caught in the storm. I know it's a very long title. How to regain your hope and navigate safely to shore after being caught in the storm. We have looked at this passage in the past, but I want to add certain truths to it today so that we can glean certain lessons from this passage. As you note that the Bible was not written in a vacuum. When we read, it may just be stories that we can kind of read in a few minutes. But really what we are reading is the actual lives of people. People who went through situations. People who were mortal beings like you and me. They had their own fears. They had their own issues. There are people who had their own doubts. There are people who had their own thoughts. Sometimes when we read the Bible, we may get the impression that maybe the people we read about, they were, in a way, had a special grace, maybe, to navigate their lives. But really, when you read, you note that these people got discouraged. These people, as we read here, they lost hope. 
They were caught in a situation that they felt is not going to end. They got to the point where they were driven right to the edge of hope. These people, these women and men were just like you and just like us. And as we read in the book of Corinthians, the Bible says, and these things were written for us, for our learning. These things were written to us so that as we read these stories, we can see these things happen. But we don't only read the story, but we learn what did these women and men do. How did they come through that time? Because they did come through. So in this chapter that we are reading about, Paul, who at this time was at the end of of his ministry, had been arrested, sentenced to jail. He was a prisoner. And the only reason he was arrested is because he was preaching the gospel. Earlier, when you read the chapters before, he had appeared before Agrippa, who was a Roman judge based in Palestine. Paul had successfully argued his case in defense of the gospel. And he had appealed to appear to a higher court, which meant then that he had to travel from where we are all the way sail to Rome in order to appear before Caesar. For that reason, he was placed on a ship together with other prisoners. And here they are, they set sail for Rome. Now, without going into much detail, sufficient for me to just say that their journey was long and their journey was hard. Their journey was characterized by storms and trials and problems. Their journey was not an easy one. The sea was rough. And in spite of all their attempts that they made, these experienced sailors who had sailed these rough seas for years and years, the situation became so desperate to a point where, as we read, they lost all hope of living. Can you imagine? These are experienced people who know what they're doing. They've been in these situations before. But the storm at this time was so fierce that the Bible says they lost all hope. So let's pick up verse 18. It says, we took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. The battering was so much that they had to lose certain things in the process. You know, when you are being battered and thrown around, you lose certain things in the process. And so in order to try and lighten the load of the ship, they took some cargo and they threw it overboard. Verse 19 says, on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. So they're really trying to do something. They're only trying to do what they know to do. You know, there are times when even the things that used to solve the problem don't seem to be solving the problem anymore. Even the procedures and the processes that used to be able to take you to the other side, they are not working. Everything that you're doing is not working at all. This is the situation that they are in. Verse 20 says, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging. You know, you come in those situations where it's almost like it's not ending. It just keeps on going. When you come to the end of one crisis, another one begins. When you resolve one thing, another thing starts. And it's for many days. And what's worse is not just many days, but the sun is not shining. 
And you get into a period of gloominess and, and fatigue and tired and ti- being tired. You, you get to a, a situation where everything is dark and, and people become negative and people start giving up. And sometimes people lose so much hope that they don't even try to do anything anymore. And it says, and the days continued, the storm continued raging. Then it says, we finally lost all hope. The reality is that when we are caught in the storm, and it seems the storm is unending, our automatic human response is to give up all hope. Why? Because the period is protracted, and the storm somehow seems to drain your hope. It takes everything out of you. Even the things that you used to do, you just feel like I'm not going to do it anymore. But let me remind you something about storms, all right? Let me remind you about storms. We've said this before, but I want to remind us. It's important for us to note that at the start of this voyage, everything went well, right? So they started well. But from nowhere, even if the sea was calm and they were making good progress on their journey, but all of a sudden, the storm arose. True to the storms. The nature of storms, number one, they come unannounced. Okay? They don't tell you when they're coming. You just find yourself in the middle of the storm. Many of you who have ever been on any flights, particularly the transatlantic flights, not exclusively them, but you know, sometimes you might be in a plane and you're having a good ride and it's all smooth and all of a sudden you hit turbulence. And you don't know, you know, you just hit turbulence and you just don't know what's going on. Storms have a way of coming unannounced. But then the other thing is this. Storms, unfortunately, are inevitable. There is no way you can live a storms-free life. No matter how much you pray, no matter how much you love God, no matter who you are, storms will come. The other thing about storms, thirdly, is that storms are unpredictable. You just never know. It comes, it may last for a day, two hours, three days, five weeks, you know, it comes. And because when it comes, it doesn't choose whether umzalwana, how umzalwana, you go to church, you don't go, it doesn't matter. Male, female, young, old, the storm is unpredictable. But note, storms, though, have a way of interfering with our bearing. They interfere with your destiny. They interfere with where you're going. Paul was heading to Rome. Some of you, your, the storm we're in has interfered with your plans. It has interfered with your vision. It has interfered with your bearing. Storms interfere with your bearing. They interfere with a sense of direction. And they interfere with your destiny. But here's another thing. Number five, storms force you to think about your own mortality. Paul and them said we had no hope of living. When you are caught in a storm, and maybe some of you, for the first time, you've had to think about your life. Maybe you've never had to confront that question, what am I going to do if I die? Some of you, you are in that situation right now, where probably you are wondering, you see people dying left, right, and center. And even if you want to postpone it, even if you don't want to think about it, but you're thinking about it. Storms have a way of thinking, making you think about your own mortality. I hope as you think about your mortality, you will not dismiss that question. I hope as you think about your mortality, you will not overlook taking Christ as Savior and Lord of your life. I hope as you think about your mortality, you will not try just to ignore it. You don't want to be in a place where you don't know how to answer that question. You know, I was talking with uh, one doctor the other day, and uh, one of the things about the storm we're in of this COVID-19 
is the sadness of people being alone. Infected, quarantined, in a ward, there alone. Yeah, medical people are there, but your family can't see you. Nobody can come there. We can go there as ministers and help you at that time. And some people have come so close to dying, or some have even passed on, unfortunately, all alone by themselves. The fear of having to face that time. But storms, they force you to think about your mortality. But most importantly, storms have a potential to drain your hope. And note, we cannot afford to lose hope at this time. We cannot afford to allow our hope to be drained out. So in our text, Paul addresses these sailors about not losing hope. Why is he doing that? Because hope is the expectation that everything will be right finally. Even if it's not right right now, but it will be right finally. Hope is that divine part of us that keeps our eyes focused on the horizon ahead and helps us to look towards tomorrow. See, if you lose hope, wherever you are, whether you are in hospital, whether you are at home, isolating, whatever the situation, if you lose hope, you are going to take your eyes off the horizon. But what hope does, it helps you to keep your eyes focused on the horizon, to look ahead and look at what tomorrow holds. Hope number three is the life cord that sustains us through the storms we encounter. It's something that we hold on to. That even if the storms are beating us and moving us this way and that way, we hold on to that cord. We hold on to that rope. You know, we've had many stories of people who either were trying to cross a, 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 a flooded river or, or maybe their car was washed into a flooded river and, and, and somehow, by some miracle, they were all able to hold on to something whilst they were being swept away by the water, but they just held on to that thread and they called out for, for help and help did come. And the only thing that saved them is that they wouldn't let go of what they're holding on to. That's what hope does in our lives. It helps us to hold on even in times like that. Somebody said, hope is the fees that keeps life from going flat. If you don't have hope, your life will go flat. But hope, the hope we talk about, the hope that we stand on is a hope that must be supported on faith, confidence, knowledge, expectation, and anticipation. Our hope is not an empty nothingness. It's not just something that we bring out only to get by, but it's, it's based on our faith in God, our confidence in God, our knowledge of the scriptures, our expectation that God will come through, and our anticipation because we know that our God is a God of suddenness. And that's why we have hope. We have hope, not just an empty dream, but it's hope because we know that God will help us. So as we read this story, we know how this story ends in a very, very dramatic way. Let me go through this with you and I'm going to read a very long passage and I just want you to listen to how this whole drama ends. These people who have lost all hope, many nights there's the sun has not been shining, they have thrown their cargo overboard, they've thrown things overboard, they just don't know what to do and after being caught in the storm for many days, 
The Bible tells us they had been adrift for 40 nights, driven by the storms across the Adriatic Sea. They lost the cargo. They threw certain items overboard. Finally, the Bible says that they sensed that they were approaching the land. Verse 29. And it says in verse 29, they dropped they are anchors and prayed for daylight. I mean, you know, most of the you know, they just dropped the anchors and they just beat their tongue. We hope we are on land. And they waited for daylight. And I can tell you, when you wait in a storm like this, one minute looks like 10 hours. Two seconds, it seems like two weeks. And they waited for daylight. So let me pick up the story in verse 33. It says, just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. I'm not always like, did you never search? That's bad. <laughs> they were not eating anything. Paul urged them to eat. He said, for the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense. And you have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. Praise God for people like me. Whatever hair is still there, you wouldn't lose it at all. Verse 35. And he said this. As he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and he began to eat. The power of Holy Communion. It says verse 36, they were all encouraged. And they ate some food themselves. All together, there were 276 of us on board. When they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lighted the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. Verse 39, when daylight came, they did not recognize the land. But they saw a bay with a sandy beach where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. Cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea at the same time and tied the ropes that held the rudders. Then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and made for the beach. But the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow stuck fast and would not move, and the stern was broken to pieces by the pound of the surf. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping. But the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. Verse 44, the rest were to get there on planks or on pieces of ship. Note, it ends by saying, in this way, everyone reached the land safely. It was dramatic, Mara, they did get there. <laughs> it, was, it was very unpredictable, Mara, they did get there. And that's the question I want to answer for you today. How did these men regain their hope and navigate safely to shore after being caught in the storm? How did they land safely? I believe in this story, the main character, you know, any story in Ali, the main character, all right? Yeah, we, we, we didn't know what that means. Eh? Every story has a story, has a main character. I believe the main character in this story is Paul. He's the main character. And I believe what Paul did goes a long way to teach us how to get safely and navigate safely to shore after being caught in a storm. 
Of course, we do, we do not in any way overlook the grace of God. We believe that by the grace of God, Paul's life was spared. Of course, God himself did say it. He said, you must appear before Caesar. Let me decode it for you. God is saying, Paul, for until you do what I have called you to do, you are not going to die. And everybody who is next to you is going to benefit. They're going to be a beneficiary of your grace. Yeah, so number one, we want to declare the grace of God when your work is not done on earth and God says you're going nowhere, no matter what it is that is coming your way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So by the grace of God, God spared Saul so that he could appear before Caesar because his mission on earth was not fulfilled. However, having said that, Paul, on the other hand, held on to certain principles in spite of the storm. And his unwavering faith saved the lives of the entire crew. What am I saying? I'm saying your unwavering faith, what you are going to do, will save the lives of those who are in your household. What you are going to do will save the lives of the people in your community. Because all God needs is one woman, one man who will believe God, who will do what God has said. And through the life of this one person, many lives can be saved. Will you be that man? Will you be that woman in this season, in this time that we are going through? Will you be that man? Will you be that woman who can hold on to certain principles? And so what Paul did, save the lives of the entire crew, the passengers, even the sailors from this dangerous voyage. He firmly stood on certain biblical principles in the midst of the storm. See, storms shouldn't make us to let go of what we believe about God. Storms should not blow us away from our faith in God or from practicing our faith. If anything, in times of storm, we should even be more determined to do what God has told us to do. And so... We can stand on this truth and navigate our storms and the storm that we're currently experiencing. What are these things that Paul did? Number one, the first thing is this. If we want to navigate, regain hope and navigate safely to shore, the first thing is this. Avoid unnecessary storms by making wise decisions. Just write that down. I'll explain it to you. Avoid unnecessary storms. Note I said unnecessary storms. When you go back to this passage where it started, when the sailors were trying to sail, Paul advised them, don't go. The weather is not good at all. Paul advised them, said, don't do it. Don't do it. But in spite of his advice, they still set out to sail. While the storms are inevitable, we can sometimes get ourselves into an unnecessary storm by making unwise choices. So in verse 21, when they got into the storm, Paul says, you should have listened to me. You should have listened to me. When we fail to listen to wise counsel and we fail to make the right choices, we will end up in unnecessary storms. I mean, as we look at governments in the world, let's be honest. Some of the governments, had they taken more proactive steps to take certain steps in terms of this pandemic, they wouldn't have lost so many lives in certain countries. 
If certain programs were rolled out earlier, if certain things were done much sooner, we could have avoided certain things. So the first thing we must do is we must strive to avoid in terms of make, uh, being unwise in the decisions that we are making. So here are simple ones. Simple ones, you can make that one. What about the decision to still sanitize? I mean, it doesn't sound so good, eh? Easy, sanitize, just sanitize. Simple, just sanitize. Oh, oh, how about wearing your mask? Oh, I know you wanted some deep revelation, right? Just how about just wearing your mask? Just, just wearing your mask. How about this one? How about this one? Getting immediate help when you're not feeling well. You know, the, the sad thing about this COVID-19 is that it's a preventable disease. It, it's something that's a, a, a virus, not disease. It's something that we can, of course, there are times that even if you've taken precautions, some people have fallen, fallen sick and even if they tried. But the reality is, if people were just to do the, the non, non-pharmaceutical, non-medical interventions that don't cost money, wear masks, sanitize, avoid certain things, don't do certain things, but people don't do it. People don't do it. People don't do it. I see the music group on stage here is not saying amen. I think, I think they are guilty of some of that. We should avoid unnecessary storms. Don't get yourself into situations. You see people going to funerals, they're not wearing masks. You see people going to parties, they're not wearing masks. You see people in public, they're not wearing masks. You see people, people not. Now, the only reason I'm not wearing a mask, of course, (laughs) because I want you to hear me because I'm preaching and these people are far away from me. So my spit and my everything is not getting to them, all right? But as you go out in public, wear a mask. Let's be people like that. Number two. Yeah, I didn't get much amens on that one. Maybe number two will be better. I see the music group here. They are, uh, Lord, help them. Number two, be active and not passive in the storm. See, this story reveals two types of people. First, there are those who, when the storm comes, they sit there and they allow the storm to carry them. They passively let it have its way with them. On the other hand, you have people who are of Paul's character. And when you look at Paul, so many things he said, so many advices he gave. He stood up with a firm resolve in the midst of the storm and he made certain decisions. Paul shows us how to stand up in the storm and take action that gives us hope of coming through in one piece. Even if it may not be tomorrow, it may not be next week, Mara, one day is one day. We will come around. We will come out on the other side. You ask me, what are the active things that I can do in the midst of this storm? Let me give you a few of them. Number one, you can fill yourself with God's word and read God's word and and listen to God's word. Instead of filling yourself with bad news. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't listen to what's happening. I'm not suggesting we shouldn't believe the statistics we are given. But all I'm saying is find a way to feed on God's word and feed your spirit on God's word because there's a lot of fear hanging in the air. There's a lot of gloom hanging in the atmosphere. Be proactive, child of God. Fill yourself with the word of God. You can do this, number two. You can develop a strong prayer life. I tell you, this is a time really to learn how to spend time with God. This is a time for us to learn how to take time to pray. There are so many prayer initiatives. We have one here in the morning, during the week, 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. It's a time when many people, 
1,500, 1,600, 1,700 people, they join in every morning and pray. I'm so grateful to God that so many people, their prayer life has changed. They are learning to develop the strength of praying in times of crisis. Praying when things are not going well. Praying and standing up. Instead of us just being passive, let's do something. What about this? Learning to attend church and locate yourself in the environment of the corporate anointing. I know right now we are not going to church and I understand that. But we are going to be going back. The church will reopen. Some of you, unfortunately, you have developed the habit of staying at home. You've become lazy to go to church. Even when the church is open and you use all kinds of excuses to say, infected. yet you go to the mall. Yet you get into a taxi. Yeah, amen. I know you don't want to say amen. Just say amen. But, but yet you go to work. See, we can find that we, we, may, we may not be applying ourselves when it comes to principles that have to do with the word of God. So when churches reopen, child of God, go to church, locate yourself in the environment of the corporate anointing. I'm talking about being active and not passive. I'm talking about doing something. Number four, as I said earlier, think about your mortality. How are you going to meet your creator? Have you sorted issues concerning your life when it comes to your eternity? You know, I know people right now, they are sorting out their, their burial plan and, and they, are, they are sorting out all their will and their everything. All of that ends here on earth. Have you sorted issues that have to do with the other side of eternity? Have, have, you, have you started talking about those issues? Have you started investigating those issues? What about a simple thing of, what about helping yourself? Take some supplements right now. Live a healthy life. This is a positive thing. This is something proactive that we can do. The worst thing to do in a storm is to do nothing. It's to sit there and let the storm carry you. Thirdly, we see what Paul did was to keep the courage and hope alive. That's what we must do. That's what we must do. Note what Paul says in verse 22 of Acts 27. He says, but now I urge you to keep up your courage. Because no one of you will be lost. He says, last night an angel of God, whose I am, whom I serve, stood beside me. And he said to me, be not afraid, Paul. Verse 25. So keep your courage, men, for I have faith in God. It will happen to me just as he told me. See, our courage is not hope, wishful thinking or luck. Our courage is similar to hope. Our courage and hope is based on the foundation of the word of God. Watch this. Hope in Bible terms is not just an emptiness. It's not emptiness and wishful thinking. But hope is a favorable expectation. Hope, according to the Bible, is not an empty nothingness. It's not like dreaming. But hope is the foundation upon which we base our faith. Why is hope so important? Why is it so critical? Because hope energizes us. It is worth living today because hope talks to me about a brighter tomorrow. It's important for us. Hope lightens our darkness. When you have hope, even when you're going through dark 
periods. It lightens your darkness. It doesn't remove the darkness, but it helps you to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You are able to come out on the other side because hope tells you the sun will shine one day. And so we need hope. We need to stand in hope because hope can help us in times like that. And so God wants us to be men and women who walk in courage. Why? Because courage spawns hope in difficult times. See, all of us, we will face periods of fear. All of us, we will go through times that we dread. All of us, we will come to those moments in our lives where it looks like we don't know what else to do. But we need to be men and women of courage. Courageous people are not necessarily people who are not afraid. But courageous people are those who, in spite of their fear, they will still do something. Never allow yourself to be paralyzed by the season and be paralyzed by what is around you and be paralyzed to a point of doing nothing. Somebody said, what if you pass on? At least I will have tried to do something. At least I will pass on as a man and a woman who is a soldier with my boots on. I'm not going to turn and run from the crisis. I'm going to face the enemy square on and I'm going to come against the enemy in the name of Jesus. We need courage. It takes courage to put all our trust in God and not abandon our life to fate. It takes courage to speak the word of God. It takes courage to believe the word of God. It takes courage to hold on to the word of God. It takes courage to embrace God's word and God's word only and not anything else. It takes a lot of courage to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It takes courage to lift up hands when you don't feel like doing it and giving honor and praise to God. It takes courage to kneel down and pray even when it seems like God is not answering your prayers. It takes a lot of courage. And it is that kind of men and women that God is looking for. Let's close right now. Number four, Paul says in verse 25, so keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. (laughs) It will happen just as he told me. What is Paul saying? Paul is saying, you know what? I'm just resting in God. I'm resting in God. I know that God will carry me. I'm not going to allow myself to have sleepless nights. I'm not going to allow myself to walk around chewing my fingernails, wondering what I'm going to do. I'm going to rest in God. Like we said last week, and having done all to stand, I'm going to keep on standing. I'm not going to try and do anything else. I'm going to keep on standing. Why? Because I know that God will always be true to his word. If I do what his word says, God will always be true to his word. Let's develop that kind of faith, men and women. The kind of faith that learns to rest in God. Note, resting in God does not imply inactivity. Resting in God doesn't mean not doing anything. But resting in God implies God activity. Doing what God has said. And after I have done what God has said, I give God a chance to do what he said he will 
do. Listen what the psalmist says in Psalms 27, verse 13 and 14 in the New American Standard Bible. He says, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Yeah, I would have despaired if I hadn't believed that, that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Then why change in verse 14? He says, wait for the Lord. Rest in him. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. In other words, take your rest in God. Wait on the Lord. As you navigate your way through these stormy waters, I want you to know you're going to land safely. You're going to get there safely. God will not forsake you. God will not turn his back on you. God is aware of exactly where you are. And God is there. And God is saying, I'm looking for someone who will carry that spirit of Paul. Someone who will stand before God and say, Mudimuaka, as for me, these are the things that I am going to do. I want to pray for you right now. I know many of you, you're going through a very difficult and a very challenging time right now. I want to pray with you right now as the musicians stand together with us and we're going to sing a song together and bring you before the Lord. Right where you are. Right where you are. Think about your life, please. No, don't postpone it. Don't postpone it. There's the prayer line. 011-983-5700. Right now, you can phone. There's someone there ready to pray with you. Number one, have you thought about your eternity? Have you thought about your afterlife? Have you thought about the issues around the life hereafter? Have you thought about your mortality? Today, I want you to think about it. Yes, we pray to God that we are alive. We pray to God that we are spared. But should that moment come in your life, what are you going to say? What are you going to do? Can I pray with you? Can I lead you before God? Can I bring you to Christ? Can I ask you, it's simple. Can you invite Christ to come into your heart? To be the Savior and the Lord of your life. Can you join me now as I pray with you? In inviting Christ into your life. Don't worry what others are saying. This is about you. Will you join me in prayer? Join me as I pray. Pray after me. Heavenly Father. In the name of Jesus. I come before you. Just as I am. I invite Jesus Christ. To come into my heart. To be the Savior. And the Lord of my life. Come into my heart. Lord Jesus. Make me a child of God. Forgive me for all my sins. I receive you now. To be my Savior. And to be my Lord. In Jesus name. Amen. If you pray that prayer, just know that God has heard you. 
Do call the numbers that you see on the screen right now because we'd like to talk to you. I want to pray with you right now as I conclude. Pray for your families. Pray for where you are. Remember God's word is the only one that can sustain you. Remember again to send us your testimony, what God has done. Remember to send it to that number that we announced earlier. Our hashtag is hashtag a good report, what God has done in my life. Can I just pray for you as a family and pray for our nation? Father, right now, I pray for the people of our land, the people of this nation who have gone through so many trials and so many challenges. Will you stretch your hands towards them right now? Heal the sick. Raise those who are depressed. Comfort those who mourn. Fill their hearts to overflowing with your power. Will you stretch your hand out, God? Bring families together. Give them hope to live again. Let your anointing and your power rest on them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.